deal with it. I was in so much emotional pain that at times I, I didn't want to be here. I really, I didn't. That's the truth. I, and it's not that I didn't want to live. I didn't want to be in pain anymore. And Let's dig through the mud together. We're so glad you're here. Join us here each week for Mudlark. Mudlark. Hi, you guys. Welcome to Mudlark. I'm your host, Danny Boltz, and I started this podcast because I believe with every ounce of who I am that our stories are what truly connect us, especially the stickier, darker, more challenging parts of them. And today I am talking with Carrie Lumen. Carrie and I are talking about grief, and this is a very jam-packed conversation, you guys. Carrie shares about her experience losing her father and what her grieving process has looked like. She shares super candidly about like the not so healthy ways she was trained to cope with this grief and sadness of not only losing her father, but abandonment she experienced from her mother who left when she was only 11 years old. She talks about the importance of feeling all your feelings, regardless of how scary they are. She talks about how she so clearly was living her life almost kind of in this like autopilot way of living from her own traumatic childhood experiences, you know, like we do until we gain greater awareness. Um, she also touched on all of the different ways in which we grieve and how grief isn't necessarily linked to just losing someone who dies, but we can grieve over all sorts of things and people and experiences. This was really personally validating for me. I just got so much out of this conversation. This is seriously such a profound, jam-packed episode, and I just feel so honored to have gotten to know her. You will hear, as always, <laughs> not always, but frequently, a little bit of rain in the episode, and that's because I, we were recording in our Oregon home. We have a tin roof, and all it does is rain here, basically. So just think of it as like background noise, meditation, or something like that. Before we hop into the show, I wanted to let you guys know something that I'm super pumped about. I am going to be co-hosting a workshop coming here in Portland. It'll be in Portland, Oregon on February 1st. It's a Saturday from 11 to 2. I am so excited for this. This is my first non-woodworking related <laughs> workshop of 2020. The name of the workshop is Live Your Truest Year and explore your deepest desires. And I'll be co-leading this with one of my very best friends from childhood, Just Lansing. We will be creating really beautiful vision boards. And if this is this isn't your typical like vision board workshop, like just cut out some magazine pictures and just paste it on the board. Like although we will yes be making beautiful boards, before we actually enter that part of the workshop, we're going to be taking our guests through a truth circle, which is something Jess and I do in every single one of our retreats together. And these circles are super vulnerable and powerful. 
and we basically just help you uncover and share any patterns or behaviors or beliefs that no longer serve you and we'll be sharing our own in a very cozy warm drinks in hand environment picture lots of candles and cozy blankets and that's just how we roll and after we will create our boards all materials included and we're going to feed you some really nourishing soup and homemade bread and the workshop will end with a guided meditation and breath work so it's like a really juicy self-care day with a bunch of amazing people uh, the workshop's $55 and the link to register will be in the show notes. Spots are filling up fast. I think we're halfway full and maybe more so by the time this episode comes out. And I would just love to see you in person and hug you and just connect with you in a deeper way. In person is always super juicy and I love it. Lastly, and I'll stop talking your freaking ear off because we're here to hear Carrie, not Danny. Um, I wanted to read this week's listener review. This is an amazing five-star review, and it is from Wildflower. It is titled Courage Through Vulnerability. Danny's authenticity allows her listeners to feel held and heard and deeply understood. She's raw and real and brave, and so fearlessly leaning into the alchemizing fire, burning away the layers of childhood programming and conditioning to set herself free. I am deeply inspired by your stories and honored to be along for the adventure via Mudlark. Thank you so much, Wildflower. I love your name. I love your words. And I'm so grateful you are on this journey with me too. And for any of those of you who have not left a review, please do. This like, when I read these, you should see the stupid face I make. I'm smiling so big and my husband can always tell when I'm reading a review. He's like, you're reading another Mudlark review. <laughs> I'm like, yes, how can you tell? Um, please head over to iTunes, rate the show, write a review. It means so much to me. And without further ado, let's move on to my conversation with Carrie Lumen. I'll see you on the other side. I was thinking about how I started this podcast because I believe that our stories are what connect us. You know, that's the whole reason Mudlark was born. And I want to be pretty frank and just be like, what is your story? Okay, I'm starting with my name. Yeah, there we go. Perfect place to start. <laughs> Good. I am Carrie Lumen, and I am an intuitive life coach. And I work with helping people uh, bridge the gap from where they are to where they want to be. And often I find that that is... Um, there's stagnation that people get into with regards to grief and loss and trauma. And I kind of think of it as um, people as little boats and they're going down the canal and they hit these really troubled waters and it veers their boats off and kind of shipwrecks them if you want. And they're just stuck right? and they don't know how to get back on track. And it's the same thing that happened with me. And it initially happened when my father passed away from cancer in 2006. Mm. And during that time, uh, my within a four month period, I lost my job. My I held my dad as he passed away from cancer. Mm. My divorce was final and I started a new relationship. 
all at the same all time. All at the same time. Oh my god, I just got goosebumps. Yes, that's so much. It it was absolutely overwhelming, and my way of coping with things um, at that time was to just do like I had always done. My coping coping mechanism was you just keep going. Right. You know, my I was very, very close to my father and I really didn't even cry a lot because my way of dealing with it was what's well, not going to bring him back. So why cry? Why sit around here and cry about this? And I dove headfirst into the relationship I was in and focused on the man that I was with and his son and just consumed myself with that yeah and so I didn't have to focus on anything right it was almost like a place filler or something it was just you had another thing to focus on yes wow yeah how long were you in that relationship uh four years okay and did you do you feel like that was just like putting your grief on pause a hundred percent okay so what happened then where what how did you start to kind of look at grief and Once the relationship ended, I realized this isn't good for me and I needed to um, get out of that relationship. There was a lot of, you know, upheaval and turmoil at that time. I ended up living with my niece and nephew and brother-in-law. And at that time, I also was diagnosed with Hashimoto's. Whoa. And I was devastated. It was that for me was like grief on top of grief. Yeah. Because now I thought, okay, I got out of that relationship. Um, You know, now I I can move forward. I, you know, can get this life that I really want. And now I'm diagnosed with Hashimoto's. And I was just like devastated. I was like, you have to be kidding me. Yeah, you're like, can I get a freaking break? Yes. And it was like grieving your health then. Exactly. Oh, my God. And again, grieving the dreams and all these hopes and things that I wanted and how I thought my life should turn out. Right. Because definitely I didn't anticipate, you know, in my perfect picture, I wasn't going to be alone with my dad gone and having being, you know, a diagnosis. Right. So... That's so scary. Yes. Wow. It was really scary. And it was really hard. And then it was... Um, but from that, it was actually when I allowed myself to let go, it actually became such a huge catalyst for change for me mm. that it has now become a blessing to me that wow. I had that diagnosis. Wow. Definitely. And can you go into that? Like how... Can you talk about what Hashimoto's is? Yes, it is an autoimmune disease where um, they say that your body attacks your thyroid. It thinks that it's a foreign object that needs to be attacked. Um, And so you suffer a myriad of things. For some, it it can be um, weight gain, weight loss, um, you know, brain fog, joint pain. I, you know, had all of those things. Right. Um, food intolerances, mm. food allergies, like things that I didn't have before. All of a sudden, I, I had all these. But as I went along, 
that's when I initially started blogging. I was like, okay, I'm going to turn this into something positive and I can't be the only one who's like suffering from this and I'm going to use this as a way to help other people. Mm. And I, I didn't just focus on, um, you know, like the medical part of it. I looked at my whole life what what all needed to be changed so it wasn't I did dietary changes lifestyle changes and that's when I really started to dig into the emotional aspect um, I looked in eastern medicine I was like well, what does the thyroid mean and it's your voice wow yes and I looked into all of that and realized um, there was a lot I wasn't voicing and there's a lot that I wasn't saying and that I wasn't facing and that's when I started to deal with the grief of my father passing. And it was, um, it's kind of funny now, but also kind of sad. But I used to just carry uh, a t-shirt around like over my shoulder because mm. I just cried so much. Oh, and this was after your your dad passed away and when you were dealing this is with... like six years later wow yeah I just and you would just what, what did that feel like you would just start crying you mm -hmm. would you be thinking about just everything that was hard or what was it, it? wasn't it, not even necessarily it yeah. would just I think it was finally my body was like my god can you let oh let this out please oh my god yeah and so then it kind of snowballed into having to look at all of my life yeah. and look at past romantic relationships and what part did I play and how I mimicked my childhood in these relationships. I basically recreated my childhood mm -hmm. with both my mother and my father. Right. Um, my mother was an alcoholic and when I was uh, probably well, by the time I was 11 years old, she was gone. Mm. I had gone to school and said goodbye to her in the morning. And at the time, uh, we were living here in Oregon. And when I came home, she had moved to California. She just left. She left. Did you see her again? Uh, it wasn't for uh, probably a year or a year and a half later that we that I was able to see her again oh my god um, yeah did you have siblings or do you have siblings? I do I have three sisters and a brother and we do not have a close uh, relationship we probably did when I was younger you right. know we did in a maybe a dysfunctional manner mm -hmm. but we don't at the time and they're all a lot older than me were you the youngest? I was the youngest. Whoa. And so yeah. you were 11 when your mom just left. Mm -hmm. What did she leave for? Did she leave for a, a relationship or? Um, well, of course, at the time, I didn't understand this. Right. Now, as a grown woman, I get it. When I was six, seven years old, her mother passed away. Mm. And from that time, from her mother passing away, you know, and like I said, my mother was ha an alcoholic, so she already had a problem with drinking. And when her mother passed away, that's for me when I lost my mother mm. because she really began drinking. Right. And first she departed from me emotionally. Then she departed from me physically. When did she start to kind of separate herself emotionally from you? How old were you? Probably seven or eight. 
That's so hard. That's so young. Yeah. Like, I mean, mom. Yeah. Where are you at? Right. And yeah. this is where my initial feelings of unworthiness and shame began to take root. Absolutely. Because, uh, you know, I would come home from school and she would be, you know, sitting on the couch or whatever. And I would begin talking to her and she would just look at me with a blank stare Totally unengaged. A completely unengaged, mm. emotionally just void. And she would just get up and walk into her bedroom and shut her door. Oh. Yes. So you're like, my voice doesn't matter. Wow. Nothing about me matters. And there has to be something wrong with me. Right. Because why would my mom, who I was very close with and used to do all these things with, begin to do this to me? Right. And even to this day, I have a problem with doors that are closed. With what? <laughs> doors that are closed oh yeah yeah i do i get like weird weirded out about it yes that makes so much sense what was your relationship like with your dad at that age um at that age we were uh very very close i mm. always say that as a father and daughter my relationship with my father was very painful for me mm. and set the tone for the way that i would allow men to treat me as an adult but as friends we were the best of friends mm. that is my buddy and I miss my father every single day yeah every day but it was more of like this friendship it was rather. a big huge friendship right. we were just really two close buddies who did everything together <laughs> and talked about everything and hung out and yeah but as a as a as a father he um after of course after my mother left and um we then moved to california shortly after my mom did not for them to be together but because everyone in my family is from california mm. i'm the only one from oregon and my dad wanted to go back home right. um and then he began dating you know a short time after that and i was put on the back burner when he would start dating these women and then they was, you know, your kids are out of control and then that young one is really out of control and you should be doing this. You should be doing that. And he was a people pleaser and did not, he couldn't stand the thought of being alone. And so he would just kind of do whatever, you know, they said and kind of push me to the side, like, you know, please just, do right and be good and go over there while I do this because well, I need this and exactly right and then when he wasn't with the girlfriend like if he broke up with her or whatever then it was like okay well come come back out and let's go hang out and do these oh. things and be my buddy right. you know until I get another one yeah and so I bet yes. every time a woman came into the picture you're like well here we go again see you later dad yeah wow and was yes. his relationship similar with your siblings as it was with you no. Okay. No. What was because, it like? Um, w because of my dad and I were so close, like when I talked to my siblings, they were like, well, we never talked to dad about stuff like that. Or, you know, we didn't do that. Right. I mean, he was very close to all of us girls, but the relationship was just different. And I think it was also because my personality was different. So he could talk to me about things that maybe he couldn't, talk to them about or we like to go do the same things together um and they were older mm. so by the time he was dating they were already you know in 
their 20s and older so it wasn't they didn't require the same from him that I did as a 12 13 year old kid right um yeah and then finally when I was 14 15 he find he came to me and said I'm going to go live with one of you know my girlfriend what are you gonna do (gasps) I was like, what? You're like, what do you mean? I'm a kid. I can't take care of myself. I was like, well, I guess I'm going to go live with my sister. Wow. And so did that happen? I did. I went and lived with my sister. And there was another mark on me of Mm -hmm. shame and abandonment and rejection. And now I'm like, wow, Mm. I must just be like... A piece of shit. Right. I am like garbage and so much shame because, oh my gosh, whose parents just don't want them like this. Yeah, exactly. You know, not only your mother, but now your, your father too. And it's just like, oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, and so, and it just set the tone for the remainder of, you know, how I would continue to grow and develop as, as a person and as a woman Mm -hmm. and even into being married. Um, but all of this came about by being diagnosed with Hashimoto's and by losing my dad. Um, but it could have gone a different way. You know, I, it, if I wasn't open to it and I wasn't allowing myself to, to have these experiences, change me and and I wasn't willing to look back and dig deeper mm-hmm. I, I don't know where yeah. I would have ended up I know and like that's that's what I wonder it's like what in you had that willingness like where did you learn that what was that I think that one of the things is that I'm just resilient by nature yeah that's just part of my personality um And I think the other part is that somewhere deep inside of me, the spiritual part of me, the spiritual side of me knew that all of this was for a bigger purpose. And where did that come from? Like, how did you have that spiritual knowing and feeling? Was that just innate in you or did anyone in your family, were they spiritual? Not at all. Um, I think it was. (laughs) You're like, obviously not. (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, I, I think that was innate too and I think that also during that whole um, time I was able to find a a relationship with the divine Mm -hmm. in a way that worked for me yeah it was outside of a book it was outside of defined religion Um, it was a connection and it was something that for me that was missing and I think that having that helped ground me too Mm -hmm. but it did give me the the knowing of how we can become so lost and so just stagnant and so stuck in grief and in all these things that happen in life because nobody talks about this right when someone passes away in our western society you have three days of bereavement mm-hmm. from your job and you're expected to go back to work. And then after a year, people are like, really? Are you still talking about this? Yeah. You're not over it yet? Or they don't even ask you 
if you're doing okay because they don't want to bring it up. Right. So then it seems like a dark thing to talk about, but it needs to be talked about. Yes, yeah. it does. And then um, you also win, well, I'll, I'll say for myself and other people who I know who have experienced the loss of someone who's such a huge part of your life, you, um, I, I feel like you go into like a secret society mm-hmm. of grievers yeah. <laughs> that only other grievers, you know, really get it or really understand because your life is just, it's not the same. Right. Forever and, changed. Yes. And another way that I feel like I got stuck in it is by isolating myself mm-hmm. because there were no other grievers that I could find and by the things that I kept telling myself, right? You know, now what am I going to do? How am I going to live without my dad? Yeah. Um, you know, life is never going to be the same. This right. is, you know, just these things that I continue to tell myself every day, you know, those those mindsets my life followed mm-hmm. instead of utilize you know using words like it isn't going to be the same but now it's going to be different and I can make it whatever I want it to be right um finding ways to honor my dad and connecting with him in that way as opposed to destructive ways yeah you know those were big for me. Right. And with your blog that you started, was mm-hmm. there the grief aspect in that? Or was yes. it, can you talk about your blog and what that looked like? Yeah, it shifted probably two or three times yeah. from 2006 to present um, because initially it was focused on Hashimoto's and, you know, not just doing dietary changes, but also looking at the emotional aspect of what what has whatever is presenting in your life what does it come to teach you and how can you open to this Mm. to allow it to bring change into your life um and I didn't want to uh just have the focus of Hashimoto's because then I found myself going down a trail of having that be my identity and your story that you are gluing yourself to. Yes. Yeah. Is gluing myself to this diagnosis and Hashimoto's this. And I was like, yeah, but that's not me. Mm-mm. I'm not that diagnosis. Mm-mm. It's just something that came in to teach me a lesson. Right. And so it morphed from that to just my name. So the blog was just my name and I just was blogging about um, everything, the yeah. abandonment of my mother, the relationship with my father, um, still the dietary changes, the lifestyle changes, making sure prioritizing, uh, myself and sleep and learning how to care for myself. Mm. And then it came a point in 2017, not maybe 2018. I was like, I shut the whole blog down wow. and I was like, you know what? You really need to take some time, just focus on yourself, recenter yourself, and then come back yeah. with what it is that you really want to do and the focus and how you really want to share with people. And at the time I was living in California. Two years ago? Yes. Oh, wow. I had been down there since I was 12. Wow. My dad moved us back down there and I had um, wanted to come back home mm-hmm. since he moved us there. I'm not uh, 
no disrespect to anybody in California, but it's not my cup of tea. Yeah. <laughs> You're like not, Oregon girl for life. <laughs> I am. Yeah. I was born in the Dalles. I was yeah. two miles outside of, you know, the town. Yeah. I was running wild and free in the mm. land. And yeah, I needed to get back home. Yeah. And I did that. I said I'm going to go and I literally packed up only what could fit in my Subaru. I knew no one here oh in Portland. <laughs> and I said bye to what was familiar and the people that I loved and I said I, I have to do this. And what was the catalyst for that shift for you? I mean, it sounds like you closed the blog down. You're like, I'm going to take did. a couple years for myself. Mm -hmm. Was it how did you feel that? Like you just jumped off the cliff and you're I, like I did. I'm going to go. <laughs> I did. I knew that I wanted to come back home. Okay. And it was just that everything kind of fell in place as in the things that needed to end ended. Um, I was still living with my niece and nephew and my brother-in-law. And I could see that, you know, my niece and nephew were older now, that they could lean more on each other. And that they were good. And I was like, there's no time like the present. You better, yeah. you know, just just do it. And I, I was scared to death. So yeah. I don't want people to think like when you make huge life changes that you're going to just be like, oh, yes, this is so great. And I don't have any fear and I'm not worried about anything. And I'm just going to go ahead and do this because it doesn't work that way. No. And I was absolutely terrified um, I got up here and I was like, what the hell have you done? <laughs> well, did you leave a job? Were you working down there in California? It had just ended. They actually, I was working for the city. Okay. And it was on a, t on a contract basis and they offered me the job. Now we're talking a job with the city. Okay. Making very good money. It was very stable, very solid. Mm -hmm. Re the retirement, you know, the whole thing, the thing that everybody strives for, that good, stable job. And I told, I said, no. You're no. like, I'm going home. I am. Oh I my am God. going home. Did you come up here without a job lined up? Yes. That's amazing. I did. I just literally came on a wing and a prayer and I was like, you're going to make this work or and you are. Yes, definitely. That's and it's so amazing. Yeah. And it has every day hasn't been easy. Mm -hmm. I, um, you know, it was, yeah. When I look back on it, I'm like, wow, you are either really brave or really crazy. <laughs> I'm not really certain which <laughs> Maybe one <both>. it is. <laughs> yeah. So to yes. back it up, just because mm -hmm. we are talking about grief today mm -hmm. and it sounds like through your Hashimoto's diagnosis mm -hmm. that was when you really started to look at oh my gosh like I mm -hmm. might have some things that I haven't processed mm -hmm. what did that process look like for you like when you realized holy shit I have some grieving to do can you kind of take us there and like just the steps that you were taking to just come to a place of maybe acceptance or just better healing after losing your dad yes I it was painful. I was in, I did not realize it. Um, or I, maybe I did. I just didn't know how to deal with it. I was in so much emotional pain that at times I, I didn't want to be here. I really, I didn't. That's the truth. I, and it's not that I didn't want to live. I didn't want to be in pain anymore. 
And it was, um, I kept trying to find ways to escape it. Um, and you, I don't. Can you talk about some of those? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I thought, you know, well, hey, I'll just start drinking wine. Like maybe that'll just like kind of calm me. And I was like, yeah, I don't really like alcohol, though. I just don't like it. And then mm-hmm. seeing what it did to my mother, I was like, yeah, no. Then I thought, well, maybe I'll just get some pills. Mm-hmm. I just could get some pills off, you know, yeah. whatever. I didn't. I was like, maybe I, you know, saw on TV, you know, about Oxy. I could get some of that. And yeah. I was like, here, you don't know where the hell to buy Oxy. <laughs> I was like, yeah, okay, well, that's not going to work. <laughs> Oxy's it's, off the table. Yeah, I can't. I don't want to, you know, I was, then I was like, God, no, I might end up in prison. I don't think I'll, you know, I would <laughs> I love last. that your mind like went it through did. this list. <laughs> this whole thing. Yeah. You're like, I don't know, maybe some meth. Like, maybe yeah. some meth is Maybe help. any, uh, God, just yeah. put me out of my misery. Yeah. Just ease this pain just for a give me a break right um and i my next thing to stumble on that i i did really was challenging for me was cutting Mm. yeah i i didn't and people don't understand cutting they really don't it is not a matter of wanting to harm yourself it's a matter of finding a way to release the pain and it's not having adequate coping skills. Yeah. So while I did not also go down that road, I wasn't mad when I would be shaving and accidentally nick myself. Because mm-hmm. when I could see the blood, then I would be like, oh, thank God. It felt like relief. It did. I was like, oh, it finally has a way to get out. Wow. Yeah. I was like, oh, thank you. I'm feeling so much better now. Interesting. Right? So... But then I was like, you can't go down this road, too, because if you do, then you're going to have to go get treatment for that. And you're still going to have to come back to face whatever all this pain is. It's like you had this little, I mean, it's your intuition or whatever, just constantly there being like, no, buddy, like you you have a big, good life to live and we got some healing to do. Yes. Whoa. Goosebumps. (laughs) Yes. That's crazy. And um, that's when I really... Aside from the blog, I just started writing. I wrote every single thing I felt. I would go to the park every day and write everything. Just like free writing, journaling. Every day. I just, I literally like took my laptop, would go to the park and just, just sit there and write, write, write everything. Every single thing I felt about my mother and my mom and, you know, all the grief and why did you do, I would write to them, why did you do this? And why did you leave me? And on and on and on. And that helped me tremendously. Mm -hmm. On top of that, I did yoga. I did meditation. um, And I just, I kept going. Mm. That was the biggest thing I had to, even on the days where like, I just didn't really want to, I just kept putting one foot in front of the other, Yeah, one foot in front of the You're other. You're like, just do one good thing today. Yes. Wow. And that, and I focused on to the best of my ability with what I had in me, helping others, yeah. like continuing with the blog and writing, you know, portions of my story on there you know, reaching out to people, helping the family that was around me, focusing on, you know, like my niece and nephew and, um, you know, breathing life into whatever that they wanted to do. Um, Mm -hmm. and that's really what kept me going. 
and it was and continuously going back to myself yeah and um did you go to therapy at all I did not go to therapy and I went for a little a couple months before I left and then I went um, a little bit more when I came out here and it wasn't it was somewhat helpful for me but I think it it was helpful for me in the sense of being able to maybe understand more about like my mother, you know, and her and, you know, my father and what they're looking at it from a different perspective, you know, as an adult and like trying to put, you know, look at how, what was it like for them? Mm-hmm. You know, they're, cause there's, they're people too. Right. Even though they're my mom and my dad, they came with their own issues here and their own path to walk and stories yes um so it helped some for myself it was a lot of just the work I did on my own and continuing to to look inside and and look at each situation and learning how to stop letting their behavior and the behavior of other people define my worth taking it back yes being like i am innately worthy yes regardless of any other human in the world exactly oh it's the yes it's like the hardest work ever it is it's the hardest work it is and i i still i still work on it like on it you know yeah. still there's still situations that come up where yeah. i give my power away and i'm like oh here we go again oh, we gotta do it again yeah you know? absolutely but um yeah and i think also a huge thing with grieving and just healing in general and I know people say this and it's kind of cliche but it's the truth and I think if people would really grasp it Mm. it would give them more peace it's not a destination right it's this is my grieving for my the loss of my mother and father is going to go on for your whole life yeah (laughs) until I leave yeah every there's going to be you know Christmases very very hard for October to December is the hardest time of the year for me because mm-hmm. that's when my dad you know got diagnosed and or like we really knew and then you know like right after my birthday is when I took rushed him to the hospital and three weeks later he was gone then it's mm-hmm. his birthday then it's my mother's birthday then it's Christmas so it's just it's yeah. a it's not gonna go away and if people need just realize that and accept it and now I prepare myself for it every year how do you do that Mm, I get better at it every year so Mm -hmm. like this year I let the people around me know like hey my rough time is coming up Mm -hmm. these next you know couple months it's hard for me I give myself a lot of grace if I want to just lay in bed and watch tv all day I do it and don't feel any guilt about it Mm -hmm. I don't try to do things during that time for other people because that's what I think they expect of me because maybe I don't have it in me right. I can't I don't I am I don't maybe wanna... it's taking every ounce of your energy to just stay above water and just feel okay yes yeah yeah and beautiful. yes mm-hmm. um and that's and it's just being aware being aware of how I feel being aware of uh you know, the thing, my mind, my, mm-hmm. my thoughts, and what am I saying during this time? And right. just really mothering myself. It's so beautiful. And yeah. it seems like that's so much 
of the work you've done for yourself. And mm-hmm. I know that we relate just with doing a lot of that, like reparenting yes. that's work that we've done. Can you talk about just ways that you have been able to nurture that inner child of yours? Because, you know, you had your, mm-hmm. your dad, I mean, he was more of that friend figure and then losing him and your mom piecing out, like how have you given her what she needs? The number one thing I've given her is stability. Mm. Yeah, she desperately, desperately needs stability in Mm. her home. And she deserves it. Yes, she does. Mm -hmm. She's just a little kid. She deserves it. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And so is it like just making your home feel a certain way? Are there certain like specifics or? It's it's having a stable home. For one, there's it's just myself and my cat, Simba. Mm -hmm. And it's yes, my Simmers. Um, It is very calm atmosphere in my home. We, there's no drama allowed in the home. (laughs) You know, it's, um, it's like I said, it's very quiet. You know, we like, yeah, we like candles. We play our music. Yeah. You know, there's dancing. Mm -hmm. I dance for him. He runs around and acts crazy. (laughs) Yeah. Don't step on me. (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot of laughter. Um, yeah, but mostly it's solid there's nobody like for the first time in my life pretty much that disrupts my home life right and that's huge for me that is huge that's so huge you were saying earlier in our conversation about how you were like really acting out things from your childhood Mm -hmm. just kind of subconsciously Mm -hmm. like you were just living out this stuff would you bring chaos into your home oh absolutely yeah isn't that a hundred percent it's like the thing you hate the most but it's like just in you to bring it yes yeah yes I can relate I would bring it in the relationships my Mm -hmm. my marriage and the relationship after that I hundred percent recreated my home life I know just drama and craziness and just what you know and and not even maybe it wasn't even so much like necessarily the actions as it was the energy yes. of what's going to happen next yeah because that's how I lived as a kid what's it was like anxious next? energy yes I relate with yeah. that so much yes and it's like you I mean that's like that whole thing it's like the world is not happening at us it's mm-hmm. like happening through us yes and it's just like when we are come we're all coming from our own projections so mm-hmm. you know we could be with someone who's actually pretty calm or they're someone who's just very grounded but like if we're coming from that hurt place and we haven't healed that we're gonna be it's gonna be insane yes they are gonna be the crazy person exactly (laughs) but you're like wait (laughs) or we're or we might we'll drum it up yeah you know exactly find a reason in a way and i i am still working on it Mm -hmm. because while it's not directly in my home i know that energetically around me there's still that chaos that I'm creating. Mm. Um, and I, I'm, I'm still, I'm a work in progress. Yeah, we, we all, all are. are. What are you doing to, like, how do you give yourself grace in those moments when, like, your inner child kind of speaks up and, and there's, like, chaos going around or you're noticing little things like that? What do you do? Previously, I would just beat myself up about it. Like, like God like, damn it. Yes. I'm doing it again. again. <laughs> I can't believe you're doing this. Mm-hmm. Da, da, da. And occasionally I'll say that. But then n- now I also throw in there. It's an experience. 
Mm. And if you hadn't experienced this, you wouldn't know. You still have this area to work on. Yeah. You still have you still have a little bit more work to do yeah. and we're going to be okay and we're going to do it and we're mm. going to make it. I say now to myself, what I would always say, give out to other people. Love I that. now give it to myself. It's the biggest thing we could do ever in life. Yes. Give ourselves like, and it's like that inner child. Like anytime I'm mean to her, or I'm mm. like, God fucking shut up. Like yes. we're fine. We're fine. We're yeah. over this. Remember yes. that's when it just gets mm. even more sad and more fire. It's like all she needs is love and acceptance. Yes. And just being like, you're okay. No wonder. Mm-hmm. No wonder that made you feel weird. Like that's all you had before. Yes. You know. So like she's so little. So she's small. a kid. Like, would you really see an eight-year-old and tell I, him shut the f up? I, know. I don't think so. Exactly. Like. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it's so crazy, and it's so crazy how I mean you can strengthen that muscle. Like I've have mm-hmm. you noticed that? Like the more now you're more apt to love on her yes. than push her away. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I I previously I had zero coping skills. Yeah. Like my coping skill was survival. Mm-hmm. That was it. I did not know any other, you know, I didn't know any other way. And now I'm able to implement those things, you know, obviously abandonment is a huge one for me. So now I know when there's anything even um, you know, transition around me of people moving or whatever that affects me mm. so I'm like okay if you start to act a little wonky well we know why just it's yeah. okay you know it's gonna be okay they didn't actually leave you they're still here you know I just talk to myself like I would talk to a kid right um and another thing I wanted to touch on really quick because I think sometimes when we go through something and then we share our story. Sometimes we portray it as, oh my gosh, everything is like great now. You know, it's like, oh, I moved to Portland and my life is so perfect now. Butterflies, rainbows, all is good. Look at me go. Make it bike ride. Here we go. (laughs) And I'm just living, you know, the greatest in everything. And I am, but this has not come without trials and Mm -hmm. you know there has been days where I did ask myself what you know what the hell have you done and you know are you sure you should have done this and on and on and on or even um I went to the doctor (laughs) in March of last year it was a routine checkup literally that's all that it was I went to get a prescription refilled And it was a new doctor and, you know, he did the regular question to whatever. And then he listened to my arteries on my neck. And I was thinking, why is he doing this? Like, get off my neck, boy. Yeah, I was like, no one's ever done this weirdness before. Yeah. Uh, He said, you know, that doesn't sound good. I'm going to send you for an ultrasound. And I was like. Oh, that is the scariest thing. Right? I was like. You don't say that. Yeah. I was like. like, Something sounds a little interesting. Yeah. I was like, okay. I was like, well, I'll humor him. Whatever. I'll go. Yeah. And I went and my carotid artery on the right side is 60% blocked. (gasps) Yes. Scary. Yes. Scary. And cue in grief. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God, my life is over. I fought so hard to get here and now this is it and I'm going to die and have a stroke and a heart attack and oh my God, (laughs) you know, seriously, when they... I'm like, oh, this is it. Now I'm really never going to get married. Oh, you you had the whole story play out. The whole thing. And I was really down 
for, you know, a couple days. Well, probably more than that. And then <laughs> I was like, okay, let's look up what does it mean when your artery is blocked? Like in spiritual sense, you know, what is the emotion that is tied to that? And it was like when, you know, there's a blockage in the arteries, there's a lack of joy in your mm. life. Wow. And I was like, you're like, I feel that I did. <laughs> I feel that I was like, wow. But then again, here we go. Yeah, I was able to dig into that. Mm -hmm. And I'm afraid of joy. Mm. I am afraid. Yeah. Because for me, in my life experience, whenever there was I allowed myself to feel joy and to have fun. Mm. Something bad always happened. Yeah. At least that's probably not really true, but that was my correlation with joy. Yeah. yeah. If you experience your joy and you let yourself go and you let yourself be free and you let yourself have fun, bad business around the corner. I know. Something bad's going to happen. And do you feel like, I mean, because I relate to this on mm -hmm. a different level, which I'll tell you about. But it's like, would you feel like in moments that could be joyous? Would you kind of infuse some of that, like just just mm -hmm. the hurt from your past? You know, mm -hmm. maybe like chaos, or maybe infuse something else, or think of something or that just could be wrong. Or right, just shut myself. If I felt myself getting too out there with it, I would just pull it back in, yeah. even in the moment. Just you gotta, sh you can't. Yeah, you need to bring it back in that you gets a little bit scary what you're doing. You right. need to reel it in because yeah. something bad is about to happen. How do you lean into that? I had to tell myself that. That it, that's not true for starters. And then I had to look at this any situations where I felt that way. And it was actually a co maybe like a coincidence that something that I perceived as bad happened, it was going to happen anyway. It had absolutely no correlation to, to the fact joy. that, I, yeah, that I was having fun. And probably a good portion of that came from having an alcoholic mother. Yeah. Like you're out, I'm riding my bike. I'm like, woo, or, you know, life is going great. And now she's drunk. Yeah. So. And disengaged. And yes. Hurtful. Yeah. yeah. So it would be, be, it would be better to stay on alert. Right. Don't get all joyful. Mm -hmm. And then bad stuff won't happen. Yeah, absolutely. So I feel that with, um, cause I grew up in a really chaotic home with mm -hmm. my abusive stepfather mm -hmm. and I, mine is more related to like love, mm -hmm. I think than joy. I mean, I know those are kind of like mm -hmm. connected, obviously interconnected, but um, when I was always like craving his mm -hmm. love and mm -hmm. I would do anything to like, and if there was a moment where even like he looked at me in a way that he looked like happy to see me and it was like a potential for like loving connection, it was like always like slammed. Mm -hmm. And then like, it just never, I, he never loved me. And then when I was mm -hmm. in high school and had like my first love, mm -hmm. like I fell in love with my high school boyfriends mm -hmm. It was like the first time I ever fully like let myself go into mm -hmm. that energy and then like next day broke up with me, you know, so it was like the slam. So now my work, I think for the rest of my life mm -hmm. is opening myself to receive love because even yes. with my husband who I've been with for almost four years, we have to conscious, I have to consciously like try to open 
to him every day yes. even though I am in love with him yes. letting myself feel yes the feelings of love mm -hmm. and intensity is the scariest fucking thing in the world to me absolutely it's so scary yes the moments I felt you. it I'm like twitching I'm like this is not okay yeah but, or you're waiting to like look at him to see am I gonna get that look that's like shutting me out well or... exactly mm -hmm. and like I I'm sure you experience this like with your mom mm -hmm. but like are you really sensitive to like certain like facial expressions or like anyone looking at you mm -hmm. kind of like south of like happy? Yes. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. Because when you like grow up with that, it's it's just ingrained mm -hmm. in you to be fearful of like like if someone's looking at me kind of like weird. Mm -hmm. I'm ge I'm getting better and being able to disconnect myself like I'm like I'm not the center of the whole universe. Like right. they're not necessarily thinking about me, but it's been a really long process of being like because I would just think everyone like hated me yes I was like they're looking at me where they fucking wish I was dead <laughs> and they want me to die right yes. now it's just like I yes fucking, it's just crazy we're yes. so much is ingrained right or just staying on guard yeah um because you don't know that's another thing like with people who get um like really angry mm. it just I freeze yeah even though I can get really passionate and like angry about stuff, but it's like when I do it, I know what I'm going to do or what I'm not going to do, but I don't know what that person's going to do. Yeah. So just like, I just I get frozen when the fear of it. And then I have to, re I've had to learn. you got to let people be, let people, be. let them be who they are or who I they know. want to be and not have that. Any that doesn't have anything to do with me. So if that person wants to be angry, they're allowed. They can be it. Don't point it in my direction, but you're allowed to feel whatever you want to feel. Right. Um, it's helped. Mm -hmm. But again, it's all it's all an ongoing process. Yeah. And it's um, you'll you'll get through one section and then you're going to go and you're going to have to learn. You'll learn another section. And it's only by experience. Right. That we learn the areas that we still need to work on. Yeah. If we don't, if we completely isolate ourselves and close ourselves off from everyone and everything, mm. well, you'll never have to work on anything because you're never going to get triggered or, you know, you won't have the experience of being able to know, oh, why did I react to that? Or yeah. Why did this and those happen? triggers are beautiful things. Very much so. They're showing us what our inner child needs. Yes. And mm. even in, even in grief. Even yeah. in loss, even in trauma, if there are painful experiences, they are, there's no doubt about that. And we have the right to work through those experiences at our own pace, but they can be huge catalysts for change if we will allow those, those to, to change us. Mm -hmm. They can, they can well, they're going to. They're going to change you one way or the other. Yeah, so, and you can choose yes. if you're going to be changed more into your whole authentic version of who you yes. are yes. or a fucking method on the street. Right, exactly. <laughs> Basically. Or, or if you're going to be my other analogy is just dead man walking. Yeah, or, absolutely. Or you can just, you know, wall yourself off and just, you know, robot through the rest of your life, which is a lot of the people that I encounter and the ones that I am drawn to working with are the ones that ha still have so much in them life and gifts and things Soul, to give yeah. yes mm -hmm. but they've just lost hope right due to someone passing away or 
the loss of their hopes or their dreams or, you know, this isn't what I thought my life was going to be. I know, but oftentimes it doesn't end up the way that we think it's going to be. If it was all going to be able to be so easy and mapped out, well, we would all get what we wanted. Exactly. But it doesn't, it doesn't come that way. That's not to say what you want can't come to you. But you have to surrender to how it's going to come to you. Mm, you have juicy. to. Yeah. And one of my things I had on my um, vision board before I came here was I wanted to, you know, um, be done with all of these like food allergies and food intolerances because there was just so many things that I couldn't eat and I was reacting to everything. Which, You're like, what's in that tea? Right? <laughs> still. I'm it's like, still, Right. <laughs> <laughs> Does it have any nutmeg in it? Oh my God. Yeah. And there's still so much fear that I have to get over surrounding all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I never dreamed that in, in putting that on my vision board, that the way that a lot of it would come about was by having a blocked artery. Right. Because I, my diet at the time was so limited right. and I was like, Carrie, look, you're going to either have to eat this stuff or you're going to, f- and get an allergic reaction or whatever's going to happen or you're going to freaking die. What do you want to do? Right. And I was like, damn. So I would just be eating stuff and like, you know, oh my God, okay. The fire department is only like just across the street if I have an allergic reaction or here's some Benadryl. I mean, I literally had to do that. That's scary. Right. And then I had to like, the more I could like calm myself down mm. and like go with it then the more foods i've been able to eat i'm like just i'm just picturing you like in the bathtub like eating a hamburger yeah and just like shoving food (laughs) you're just like yeah this is gonna be fine yeah you're not gonna die (laughs) you're gonna be okay yeah because i bet that anxiety is just gonna induce so much inflammation yeah no matter what the fuck you're eating exactly yeah because that's i was reacting to so many foods like just eating a kiwi and now i have hives on my face i'm like (laughs) okay well i never had this before oh my god (laughs) yeah Yeah, so I'm just like oh yeah but it's gotten so much better now good um to just kind of like Mm because we were talking about before we started our interview today about like different types of grief like Mm -hmm. I know I have lost people Mm -hmm. um people who have died in my life but I know for a fact I've experienced grief from breakups experience grief from closing my yoga studio Mm -hmm. like there's been all of these things Mm -hmm. can you talk about just like if someone is experiencing grief right now but doesn't mm-hmm. know what that feels like, could you talk about just some of those symptoms that people yes, can look for? Absolutely. It's um it is very similar to when you lose, you know, some someone to death that you love because it is the death of something. Something. It's that a, matters to you. Yes. It's a hope, it's a dream, it's what you thought that it was gonna be, mm. whatever the case may be. And it's okay for you to feel that. It's okay for you to be feel that sadness and a heaviness inside of you and a mourning for what was or what could have been. Mm. It's okay to feel all of that. Or nostalgia. Yes. For it. Yeah. And you may not even it you can be grieving a relationship that you left that you know was the right thing for you to Preach. do. Preach. Yes. <laughs> yes. You can a hundred percent be grieving that. Yeah. But what you're actually grieving, it's not that person. Mm-hmm. It's what could have been. Yeah. I grieved my marriage when I got divorced. Mm. Not because I wanted to be back with him. Because I didn't want to be divorced. Yeah, exactly. I wanted to be married. I wanted to have kids. I wanted, you know, my house, the white picket fence. I wanted all of that. And 
that was hard. It was, it was a, it was a morning and it was yeah. a, um, you know, you may even experience some depression around it, just mm-hmm. an all around heaviness, a sadness. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you know, some people may not let themselves grieve like a past relationship because they're like, well, I'm not, I don't want to grieve that because I don't even want to be with that person. But there is grief to be yes, felt. Yes. Cause it's, it's, yeah. Yeah, I don't know anybody who gets married with the idea as they're saying their vows that um, they're going to get get divorced divorced one day. It (laughs) just, yeah, it doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. Um, And you, and a lot of people too, don't want to talk about these things. And that's why I love to work with people in these situations because you can't tell that to a lot of people because they would say, Oh my God, you need to get over it and whatever. And yeah. it's not a big deal. And why are you mourning that? Or and they're like, like, I know my hesitation. I'm not hesitate. I don't hesitate to talk about anything anymore. Mm-hmm. Thank God. But yes. like, um, I know before, like when I broke up with my previous partner, the one right before my husband, I literally had experiences where people were like, do you think you made the wrong decision or should you maybe not be with, hi my husband and I'm like no like that is not it but I am so deeply sad to not have that person but I love what you said about like it's almost grieving what could have been absolutely and I haven't ever thought of it that way until right now I've always thought of like I just missed like foraging with him through the woods and like doing these things but it's like I do miss those but that's not that can't hold the amount of weight that I have felt from that breakup it's more of like what could have been and that's the sad part and that's the part where you can mourn and if I always think or feel that a one way to help us through these situations is have ceremony Mm. have ceremony ceremony around it in whatever way that that works or looks like for you it could be journaling huh or lighting a candle yes mm -hmm. it can also be yeah if you wanted to to journal it or if you wanted to go dig a little hole and bury whatever you know pick something that is symbolic of that situation or that or you know it can be anything Mm. if you don't want to hurt the ground okay put up some little cloves you know and those yeah. are symbolic and bury it in the ground and right. I be love sad that. and feel free and cry, cry. <laughs> yeah. it's okay to cry mm-hmm. it's okay to cry there's mm-hmm. no shame in that you're like throw a t-shirt on your shoulder yes and walk around <laughs> my niece and nephew got to the point where they stopped asking me when they saw me cry they just were like oh it's okay Aww. auntie yeah because they were like she needs to you Purge, know yeah, yeah. it went for a long time and right. It's okay. You can even take a bath with bath salts and Mm -hmm. put all that mourning and all the sadness. And then when you pull the plug, watch it go down the drain. Yeah. But that doesn't mean it has to be, you know, okay, now it's over. Moving right along. Right. You still allow yourself to process through it. Mm. It's okay. I think that is just the hugest lesson in this whole conversation. It's like, let yourself feel your feelings exactly because they will metastasize into who fucking knows and we all just need to feel (laughs) feel it all every bit of it and find some people somebody that you can talk to that can work through it with you if you find that you are stagnant and stuck and are no longer you know this the same version of yourself that you used to be right if you just feel like you're I was so many times felt like I was just the walking dead yeah you know yeah can you walk us through um what working with you would look like 
Yes. There, um, I do a discovery call with uh, the clients initially to, I want to obviously make sure that I um, am a good fit for them and they're a good fit for me and that I can actually help them. And we are on a six week program mm. where we meet um, every other week. And, and can you do this over Skype? A hundred percent. Okay, yeah. cool. Skype, Zoom. Yeah. Um, it is a hundred percent online. Mm. Um, and we work through what is it or where is it that you feel that you're stuck? What's your vision? What's your goal? Where is it that you want to be? Mm-hmm. And we work through to get you to where you want to be. Um, And that's through, you know, mindset shifts and our limiting Mm self-beliefs. And sometimes for a lot of the people, it's just giving them a space to be. And feel. And to feel because they cannot do that maybe with like the people that are around them. For whatever reason. Yes. And they can't really say you know, this, I'm, I'm, I'm mourning this. I'm stuck, you know, in this, I, I don't know how to move through it. I don't know how to move out of it because it chokes us. Yeah. It really does because it's a, it's a, it's such a huge emotional part mm. that wants to be seen and it wants to be heard and mm. it wants to be felt. Oh. And until we are able to give it its own life, we can't move forward. Exactly. We can't. And our, and the, hopes and dreams that we do have can't be you know can't move into fruition when there's something so big blocking it right or in some cases too people have tried Mm. and loss will make you not want to try again yeah grief will not make you want to love again Mm. and in those we get stuck yeah we get stuck because we're just like i can't i can't take the pain Right. But we can move through it and we absolutely can. Mm, that's so beautiful. Thank yes. you. I have some listener questions. We had Got some it. people right in that wanted to hear from you. Really, really good questions. Um, the first one, um, how to heal 25 years after losing a parent. Mm. I buried it when I was 15 and never faced it. I yeah. think you, I mean, you did so much of answering that throughout this conversation but if like do you have a place aside from maybe calling you and talking with you that this person could begin yes um one of the things is we would un is uncovering what is what's the biggest part that you are mourning or that you're grieving Mm -hmm. is it because there's so many facets to that being so young and losing your parent one she didn't she just said she buried it so she never gave herself or her himself herself the opportunity to feel what needed to be felt at 15 and that's where a huge part of that is going to start yeah the other part is uncovering was there any um guilt Mm. attached to it let's talk about the abandonment Did you feel that you were abandoned? Have you allowed yourself to experience the anger of losing your parent or parents at such a young age? Mm. There's many, many facets of that. Um, And a lot of that is answering those questions. So we would know where do we even where do we begin? Yeah, there's so much. Right. To start working on that. Right. the biggest part uh, in if you don't want to call or you, you know, you don't want to get on a discovery call or you don't want to, 
you know, go down that road is journaling and answering some of those questions on your own. Yeah. You Maybe know? we could put a few questions in the show notes. Absolutely. For people to just journal out. Yes, that definitely. Be... I'm absolutely open to doing that. Okay. That would be so amazing. Yes. Um, The last question. I think grief is starting to come out in new ways for mm. my siblings and I. We're coming up on the two-year anniversary of our mom's death, and grief just looks differently now. I'm realizing it's difficult to be around some of my siblings that either go straight to anger or even for myself being mistaken as having a particular emotion that I'm not actually feeling. Mm -hmm. We're having lots of conversations, but I'm not sure we're actually getting anywhere. Do you have any tips on navigating grief as a family unit? Yes, a huge uh, tip is... You have to allow each person to grieve in their own way. Mm. You have to give each other the respect and space that that you need to feel what you feel at that particular time. Because for everybody, it's going to be different because your experience with your parents were was different. Mm. And grief has many different um, phases to it. And you're going to... It doesn't, it's not perfect. It's mm. not, you feel acceptance and anger and then the... There's this, not a perfect it rhythm isn't. to it. Yeah. And sometimes you bounce between them. So for your one sibling who's feeling anger, this, you know, holiday season or when you guys get together, maybe next year they won't be in that phase again. Yeah. But forcing each other to feel something that you don't feel is not going to be conducive to your healing as a collective. Yeah. You each ha give each other space. That's so, I get like covered in goosebumps yes. when you say that because it's just like, it's so true. And like, I don't know um, this particular family, like mm -hmm. if this would be too woo woo and weird, but like I could just see how powerful it would be if they were like all together mm -hmm. and just going through a little ritual yes. of like I accept you yes and I'm here for your grieving process yes. and your grieving process is different than mine right but I'm here for you yeah oh yes absolutely and even in the if they're not at a place where they want to share yeah what what that anger looks like for them or whatever it, it again is just acknowledging we're all in a different space yeah and you don't have to feel what I feel yeah it's okay. Mm. I and and no even if you have two children or 10, they're all going to feel something different where grief comes to yeah. because their relationship with the parents is different so and different. how they grieve is different. Yeah. We all don't everybody doesn't necessarily grieve the exact same way. Right. Some of us may cry but maybe other people, you know, only cry a little bit and maybe go punch a punching there bag. There you go. Yeah. Exactly. It's yeah. just different. Right. That's so helpful. I think that's really going to help this listener so much. Mm -hmm. um, I have two questions that I've been asking everyone. Mm -hmm. um, what is the biggest challenge in your life right now? Currently. Present mm -hmm. day. Present day challenge would um, probably be still working on that worthiness mm. which it may it may be something I have to work on for the remainder of my life there mm. may always be something that comes up that little piece of me will always jump to that burst and then I'll mm. have to like walk myself back you know to where it is but it's still that is is probably the big one am I worthy of this mm. am I worthy of 
having the things that I have your am hopes I, and dreams yes they're coming and am I really worthy of this yeah so it's am I gonna self-sabotage exactly <laughs> yeah. exactly yes yeah. am I am I gonna do something to like you know just ruin all this so that I can feel what is familiar to me totally so yeah shit girl yeah I feel you on that yes. I'm like how am I gonna fuck this up today because <laughs> it's coming I yes. feel it and so you I, can too yeah. you can literally the more in tune you become with yourself you can feel yourself going down and you're like no 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 yes. no we're not gonna go down that road yes no. exactly like uh, uh, such a common one for me of self-sabotage is I would like burn bridges so like yes. if I would like get burnt out and usually with work because I'm mm. such an entrepreneur mm -hmm. so if I was like doing work for someone or whatever I would like get like sick of it instead of just talking about it I would just kind of like piece the fuck out in a yes. really like unhealthy way <laughs> so I've had to like really work on that like mm -hmm. even leaving a yoga studio I I was like mm. I wanted to be like fuck you yes. <laughs> says the yoga teacher <laughs> um but I was like I exited in the newest like most graceful way and I just felt I was like that is a fucking healing yes because it's like I wanted to do you've it you've grown. grown look at you yeah I wanted to do it in a really unhealthy way of but course like, it's but, easier unhealthy yeah it it's totally familiar. is it's comfortable exactly <laughs> um and uh lastly um what are you most proud of about who you are I am most proud of my resilience yeah. I just won't give up. You will no not matter, give up. I won't. No matter mm. what is thrown my way, I will not give up. Yeah. And I will always turn it around to see how can I help someone else. I love that. Yes. You and I are similar in that. What's your moon? Do you know what your moon is? I am Sag. Sag moon? Yes. Okay. So no, 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 no. My moon is my Libra. Okay. And we, my Sag is rising. Okay, but your Scorpio yes. sun. Yes. Okay. It's just so fun to know. I that's yes. a juicy right? whoa. I know that's some good stuff. That is some good stuff. But I it's a that. lot of that's a lot too. Yeah, it that's is a, a lot. Scorpio and a Sag and a Libra. It's I guess like a fireball over here. <laughs> fireball. <laughs> totally. And um where can our listeners connect with you? On Instagram at Carrie Lumen. L-E-W-M-A-N and also on Facebook at Carrie L. Lumen. Perfect. Yes. And I will link that in the show notes. I'm so grateful we got to meet today. Yes. Thank you. Thank so you much. so much for coming on the show. Yes. Thank you for having me. <laughs> okay. Bye. Bye. Thank you guys so much as always for listening. Be sure to head over to the show notes. Uh, Carrie and I have some journal prompts for you along with all of the links for you to connect with her, to connect with me, to come to the workshop if that was calling to you. And I just want you to know that I appreciate you more than I can ever put into words. Like I wish you were here so I could hug you. I love that you're here. I love that you're a part of this amazing journey and I'm just so grateful. I'll see you guys next week. Bye.